The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This is the Ed Milet Show. All right, welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, I have a friend here today who's brilliant, and we're going to talk about some things, I think, today that you've probably never heard before as it relates to personal branding, and even if you don't have one, why you should have one. My guest is a part of my family and my team now, and if you thought my book launch was very successful, this is one of the people that should be credited with the success of that book launch. He taught me so many things that I did not know prior to meeting him, and he's going to do that for you today as well. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's an eight-figure entrepreneur, Hall of Fame speaker. His TED Talks have millions and millions of views, and he and his wife are co-founders of Brand Builders Group, which is the organization that has started to help me with my work and reaching more of you. And he's a friend of mine. So Rory Vaden, welcome to the show today. Brother, what an honor. What a, what a Working alongside of you has been one of the greatest privileges of my career. Oh, and wow. I'm, uh, I'm, I mean that. And I'll I tell you why. Okay. Because you, you have the money. You have the followers. You've done the stuff. And yet you are still on fire about the mission. Like you don't need anything else. And yet you wake up every day and you hit it hard because you are so passionate about reaching people. And like, that's who I want to be in the foxhole with, man. Like I, you know, people who, if you're just chasing dollars, like eventually you, you go off track or you, you burn out, but it's like, thank you. You are on fire for the mission, brother. So yeah, thank you. Well, so are you. And I want to surround myself with people that can help me reach more people and also share my values. And you do that. I mean, right instantly when we first met, I go, okay, this guy's special. This guy's special. Big, 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 big brain. And is going to share some information with you guys today that's going to just going to really change your business, your life, potentially even your family. So what we're going to cover today, just to set the stage, we're going to cover a little, we're going to cover a lot on personal branding that we're going to shift into just what I would call optimization of your life, personal success strategies, how to be happier and more successful. And Rory just has this very interesting perspective. And a lot of people that you respect and admire, kind of behind the scenes, Rory's been responsible for you respecting and admiring them more, just so you know. And so he's going to help you today too. So first things first, personal branding. You did this giant study on it, right? And I think most people hear personal branding, okay, I get it. That's why an entrepreneur would need it or a big time influencer, but me, I've got a job or, you know, I've kind of just, you know, I'm working every single day of my life. I don't really focus on, I use social media to kind of show people what I ate for lunch and interact with friends. What did this study reveal? A little bit, tell us some of it. And then what about that? Who should have a personal brand and why? Yeah, so great, great one. So yeah, so we 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 had this PhD-led research study. It took us over a year to complete. It's weighted to the U.S. Census Bureau, so the, the data points will come, would be based on the U.S., but the the long and short of it, is that when most people think of personal branding, they think of like social media or podcasts or being a, a, an author or speaker or like, you know, whatever, websites. And you have to change the way that you think about it. And what this study revealed is that personal branding is really the digitization of reputation. Wow, that's good. Okay. The digitization of reputation. So 74% of Americans say they are more likely to trust someone with an established personal brand, Mm. right? So the reason this matters is not because of vanity. Like not everybody needs a lot of followers. Not everybody cares about a book deal. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's our world a bit and some of our clients. But what we all care about is trust, Mm -hmm. the trust of our colleagues, the trust of our family, the trust of our our peer, like our peers, our bosses, the people who work for us. And 74% of Americans say they're more likely to trust you if you have a personal brand, which makes sense because we trust people that we see. Isn't that true? Like, stay on that. Like, celebrities 
right? Like we don't even really know them. In some cases, it's a stage name almost, right? And <laughs> yeah. like, but we because we see them all the time, we actually form an opinion about whether they're trustworthy or not. And we've never even met them. Probably will never meet them in most cases. Yeah, we don't we, even know their real name. Like a lot of times, it's crazy, right? Yeah. So, so, so this matters. For everybody, you're basically saying. Well, yeah. Let me let me point out some specific ones. I brought the study just okay. because I thought we might grab a few points. But yeah. but when you when you look specifically at, um, we asked the question like, who does this really matter for? And um, we we said like, okay, do you care? The average American, do they care if uh, like their business coach has one or their insurance agent or like who are the people you care about having a personal brand? And the number one profession out of all of them was doctors. Wow. 61% of Americans say they want their doctor <laughs> to have an established personal brand. Oh, my gosh. 59% said their employer. 58% said their lawyer. And 55% said their financial advisor. And here's, so here's what we started to realize. The, more, the higher the requirement for trust, the more having a personal brand matters. Mm-hmm. If you're going to cut me open... I need to trust you. Right. Like I can't just meet you and in 5 minutes be like, "Okay, let's let's do this." And mm-hmm. so more and more that's happening. And and I have to tell you, Ed, like I was late to social media. Like Me too. S- social media, yeah, you you yeah. you were, but you you've done better with it than, <laughs> than I than I have. But I for a long time didn't understand why would you post what you're eating and mm-hmm. and and like what you're doing all day? Like why would anyone care about that? And then I realized for many of us, that the people that you trust the most in your life, like if you just made a list, mm-hmm. who do you trust the most? Mm-hmm. It's going to be people that you see most often, and it's going to be the people you know the best. You know what they like to eat. You know where they live. You know their kids' names. You know where they go. You know who their friends are. You know what they do for fun. Like You know how they spend their time on their weekends. And then the other one is that we trust people that we learn from. Ooh. And that becomes the big door opener for the for the business aspect of all of this. But but not to discount the the personal sides. Those things really matter. Your book launch was incredible. I mean, a hundred thousand copies of a book sold before the book comes out mm-hmm. is like is not something that we've ever seen that we've mm-hmm. ever been a part of. And it's because you have so much trust with your audience. You have so much reputation. We've never worked with someone that had as much reputation and as much reach as you did. Thank you. So while we maybe taught you a couple of things, mm-hmm. you're super gracious about that. You did. It was your reputation, our systems, but it was just amplified because at the end of the day, it's about trust. So good. The the digitization of your reputation. And that, you know, I've noticed that play for me in different ways too. So yeah, it helped move my book and other things that I do. It helps move this show, obviously having a very significant following. But the trust part of it is more important than even how big the following is. But then there's been other things that have happened for me where different businesses I have, someone's got involved who didn't know me, but then checked me out and went, oh, he's legit because he has a personal brand. Totally. So I think a lot of people think, well, I don't have, I've got 2,000 followers or 800 followers. I don't have to have a personal brand, nor do I have one. Incorrect, because it's almost like a validation of your reputation. It can happen in reverse. So maybe they don't find you, but after they find you, now they're going to confirm you. Totally. Right? And that's what they're doing. That's what employers are doing. Mm. I mean, one of the things that we say a lot now is we say reputation precedes revenue. Mm. Reputation precedes revenue. People think, oh, I have a revenue problem. You don't have a revenue problem. You have a reputation problem. Not enough people know about you or they know about you and they don't trust you to, to get the job done. So when you look at like the business world, mm-hmm. it is that. But even if you're an employee trying to get a job, their their companies are, their formal hiring process is go look at them on Facebook, go look at them on Instagram, go mm-hmm. listen to what they have. And, and here's another thing that the study showed. People don't care about how many followers you have. Wow. People don't care wow, wow. across all generations. It is one of the, the least significant um, factors of credibility and trust is, is how many followers you have. You know what else people don't care about? Mm-hmm. They don't care if you have a New York Times bestselling book. Yeah. Okay. We, we can prove empirically that people don't value, that the public doesn't. Now, 
the industry sure. does. Sure. But the average person on the street, we can prove, doesn't know the difference between a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, an Amazon bestselling author, a self-published author. They found blogs to have as much credit. If you have a blog, mm. you have as much credibility as someone who is a New York Times bestselling author with the average person on the street. They don't care about followers, but they do care about when they see you, what do you project? What do you believe? What are you about? What are you teaching and promoting? And, and who are you? Yeah, and I think we're going to talk about how to create that too because I, I look at a lot of people's stuff that follow me. You know, I'll just click on their profiles and I'm just confused. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a narrative there. It's it's very uh, it's hit and miss. I don't understand it. You know, when I was growing up, my dad always said, "Hey, Eddie, it's not it's not uh, what you know, it's who you know." And I now tell my kids, it's not really what you know or who you know. It's who knows you mm-hmm. now. Who knows you? And this applies. What you just said that was so relevant is, if you have a job, the likelihood of someone hiring you or you getting promoted or finding upward mobility where you are is now connected to that brand. So this is not just an entrepreneurial thing to some extent. So you also said it's sort of like a trust accelerator yeah. for people too. How so? Yeah, absolutely. Look, we 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 buy from people that we mm. trust. We recommend people that we trust. Uh, there you go. We, okay. we, we, we know that 82% of Americans say they're more likely to buy from a company and they find a company more influential if they recognize the founder and they align with the founder's personal brand and values. Mm. But uh, 30% of Americans in this study said they're more likely to date somebody who has an established personal brand because there's validation to who you are, right? You don't want to get catfished. You you can it's one thing to kind of like, you know, fake a profile on a dating site. It's another to go, oh, you have a website and you have you're on social media, and you have all of these different things. And and by the way, coming coming back to um the uh, the business thing, you know, the number one thing that drives credibility for businesses is testimonials from your customers. Okay. Mm. It is it is not your credentials. Mm. It is having other people who have said you are good at what you do. Mm. That's how it's done. It's interesting because on social media, it's funny. And a couple businesses that I own now, I'm always telling our folks like, hey, when you help somebody, whether it be with a financial thing or a real estate transaction or one of our products, like if you could get that put on video where they're thanking you or they're watching the process, because that for me is credibility too. Like that thing about cutting me open, the surgeon, I don't want it to be your first procedure. Yeah. So <laughs> right, if I yeah. feel like you've helped lots of people, and by the way, lots of people in a personal brand it could be five, right? It could be eight reviews. It could be eight video testimonials. It could be written testimonials. Like, okay, this isn't their first rodeo. They've done this before. So what would you say to someone who goes, okay, I, you know, I probably should get better at doing this whole personal branding thing. Where does one begin if they've not begun? Or what should they adjust if they've started and it just hasn't been effective for them yet? Yeah, I mean, here's the whole secret to personal branding in one sentence. And this is not a Rory Vaden quote. I, I wish it was. Okay. But there was a guy named Larry Wingett who told me this early in my career. And Larry said, the goal is to find your uniqueness and exploit it in the service of others. Find your uniqueness and exploit it in the service of others. Mm-hmm. And when you go look at someone's social media profile and you go, I don't know what this person does. They haven't clarified their uniqueness. They they're not they're not clear about the the role they play in the world. Mm. And and this ties more to just personal brand. It's not social media and it's not logos and colors and graphics. It's your purpose, right? It's it's being clear about how can I serve? How can I be of value? Mm. So many people are are trying to find their purpose. And I think it the wrong question is it, don't ask what's my purpose. That's the wrong question to ask. Instead ask who can I serve? How can I be of value? And as you get clear on that, that is your uniqueness. Our lives have meaning in the context of our relationship with others. And there's nothing like the feeling you get when you serve another person, when you help another person. There's there's no replacement for that feeling. Very good, Rory. You know, do you think that that, by the way, this is where sort of personal optimization and personal branding begin to converge yeah. too, right? So this is why they're the same thing to some extent. But do you think that that also involves what problem do you solve? Meaning that when I go look at your personal brand, I, I understand your purpose and your mission and all of that. But for me to really connect with you, don't, isn't there sort of an embedded command in there to some extent? Like this is a problem I can help you solve. Totally. Yeah. The, the, okay. the, when, you, when you kind of make it tactical, 
Mm-hmm. You know, like when we first sit down with a client, the, mm-hmm. the genesis of building a personal brand is answering one question with one word. What problem do you solve? And if you aren't, if you're not clear about the problem you solve, no one else ever will be. You, you nailed it. Yeah. They never will be because there's so much noise. There's so, I mean, there's you know millions and millions of people out mm-hmm. there. There's so many people who do something similar to what you do. Mm-hmm. And the real reason why people don't grow more on social media or they don't get hired more or they don't get promoted or they they don't attract more customers or they don't get more donors for their nonprofit or more members for their church or whatever the thing is yeah. is because they're not clear yeah. and it's it's because they have too many different things going on and and if you have diluted focus you get diluted results very good if you have diluted focus you get diluted results but if if somebody comes and says hey ed mm-hmm. who helped you launch your book mm-hmm. and you go oh i got a guy like yep. rory like yep. you know i you know ha, who helps you clarify your position in the marketplace oh yeah brand builders rory like that mm-hmm. i got a guy who solved that now the problem we technically solve is obscurity mm-hmm. which is to be unclear untrusted or unknown mm-hmm. but for each individual person it is answering that question, what problem do I solve? Well, the specificity part is big. So even when I met you, and even like other guys that I know that are good friends of mine that you've also worked with, like Lewis House, for example, yeah. it is even making us at our level more clear, more specific. When I go look at most people's personal brand, to me, it's confusing. I said this earlier. I do believe, tell me if you, and by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's good to show a diversity of who you are. In other words, if you're just one thing all the time, I think your social, your blog, your your life can be somewhat, I kind of know what I'm going to get when I go see you. Maybe I'm not likely to see it all the time. So I think showing, hey, I'm a mom, I also work out, I'm sure. also a realtor, here's some testimonials, here's people I've helped. One thing that does confuse me sometimes is I'll watch someone's brand and I'm thinking, oh, this is a professional, let's just say, I use the term, a realtor. Okay. And wow, what a great mother and an unbelievable person. And she's funny and she's completely competent and has done this kind of a deal, another kind of a deal. And then maybe like the next picture is her sort of like, you know, in a bikini in some salacious environment. And I'm like, what part of that do you think is going to make me or my wife be comfortable with doing business with you? Mm-hmm. In other words, they do things in their brand one or two things that is either a confusing or I might think, what were you thinking about yourself when you were, I'm not saying that you can't post, listen, post, you're flexing with your shirt off. I work out in a tank top sometimes. I'm not saying that, but do you agree that sometimes I'm like, what are we doing here? This seems like an unfocused person on their brand. Yeah, that, that, that's it. And I think you, you, you really do need to sort of decide like, am I using this as a mechanism for attracting business Mm -hmm. to me? Right. Mm -hmm. If you're a a realtor um, now, I think you can have one profile and you can do it, but you have to do it tastefully and you have to kind of go like, all right, you know, grandma is watching and my colleagues are watching and my prospects are watching. And so, Right. I have to play I have to play to that audience and be mindful of it or go have a private account that you mm-hmm. do you know like some people aren't comfortable posting pictures of your kids that's mm-hmm. fine you don't have to post pictures mm-hmm. of your kids to be successful mm-hmm. you can and people get to see that other dimension of you but when you when you a a, a brand is what do people think of when they think of you mm-hmm. and so you don't control that but right. you influence it and you have to be deliberate about it and mindful about it and you have to you have to craft it because it's your reputation yeah. i i think people get lost when they think the moment we say personal branding they go oh social media i don't understand it technology mm-hmm. graphics i you know video i i don't know they get lost and just go reputation very good reputation yeah. curate your reputation. What do you want people to say about you? What do you want people to think about you? What do you want people to know about you? And be mindful. And it needs to be authentic too, right? Like it can't be orchestrated. So for example, in my case, I think probably people think about me as an entrepreneur or a speaker, or hopefully an inspirational guy, but I'll also post up, hey, last night, a cigar and a glass of tequila. That's yeah. part of my life, right? So, but within reason, I, uh, by the way, this stuff is not gen, I said earlier, bikini, I, I've male guys that I watch on social media, I'm like, brother, you've got this entire insurance operation you have you've got this wonderful family why are we posting you completely drunk on a boat on a sunday afternoon where you're slurring your words like Mm -hmm. maybe that's not part of the reputation you want to put out there having a cocktail of course that's part of what you do it should be you should be open about it i just feel like and again we're going down to social media now but as you said earlier branding is all over it's not just social media it's it's everything about you what what are dares 
Ah. And and how does that sort of fit into a little bit about what we're talking about? I love things that you can just remember. That's what you're great at doing because with me, you know, some really complicated things we went through and I'm like, okay, I can remember dares. I can remember X, Y, Z. I can remember the helix, which we'll talk about in a minute. So go ahead and tell us what dares means. Yeah. So so dares is an acronym that is represents um, how to select the 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 best ways to monetize your personal brand yeah. right so that's where reputation you, when you turn your reputation into revenue and you make you turn that corner to say i want to monetize this mm-hmm. um we say okay we got to figure out a business model and just like if you have diluted focus with your message you get diluted results. If you have diluted focus with your business model, you also get diluted results. You and I are totally in a line. In fact, you posted something recently that I was like, hey man, about the multiple streams of income. Mm-hmm. You don't get rich by having multiple streams of income. You have one really freaking awesome stream of income. Yeah. Diluted focus, diluted results. So when we are working with a client, there's not a one size fits all, right? It's your uniqueness. So we're trying to figure out what are you best positioned for. Okay. And so we look for the dares. So the acronym is uh, things that are D digital. D digital. Okay. A automated. Okay. R recurring. Recurring. E evergreen and S scalable. Digital, automated, recurring, evergreen and scalable. So if there was a perfect business model, mm-hmm. It would have, you know, no manufacturing costs, right? It's digital. So you don't have to ship anything. You don't have to store it. There's not like tariffs and and boats and and delays. It's automated, meaning people can completely self-serve. You don't have to have a huge army of people to deliver it. Um, it's recurring. So people are paying not just once, but again and again and again. And, you know, when it comes to the valuation of a company, recurring revenue is tremendously valuable. Mm. Evergreen means it never needs to be updated. Ooh. Never needs to be updated. You okay. you do it once, and then scalable is you can add an infinite number of customers without adding additional infrastructure. So that's the ideal. That's the ideal, but it doesn't it, exist. Right. Because some of these work in conflict. So like, uh, for example, recurring and evergreen tend to work in conflict because recurring revenue means I'm going to pay you again and again and again, but evergreen means you never need to update it. So you're not likely to pay again and again for something that doesn't need to be updated. By the way, Netflix is the closest business that 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 I've found mm-hmm. that has all of these, but even Netflix has to always add new content. So it's evergreen in the sense that you have access to this library, but but they're always adding adding new content. But it's not that one is better than the other, right? I mean, Sarah Blakely, you know, sells Spanx. Our, our mm-hmm. friend uh, Jamie Kern Lima, right, does it cosmetics. Those are physical items. They made ton, tons of money. Of course. And then you've got, you know, other, other info marketers who sell courses or whatever. And a lot of our clients are professional service people. They're lawyers and they're accountants and they're, they're doctors and they're mm-hmm. chiropractors. So they are, they're, they're selling a, um, a service. Let's talk about them for a minute and a little bit of this brand DNA helix. Cause this is like, this is the, why you're so great. So there's six parts to it. Let's talk a little bit about that. So this is help all of you is going, okay, what do I do? Right. Like, like, how do you figure this out? Yeah, why do I figure this stuff out? So go ahead. Yeah. So if you if you say, okay, the goal is to find your uniqueness and exploit it in the service of others, then the question is, how do I find my uniqueness? Yes. And that is literally a million dollar question. I mean, that is the thing people, the first thing everyone hires us yep. to, to do yep. is go. And so we have this brand DNA helix, these six questions. And if you were to answer these six questions and you just sort of like brainstormed them and, and you know, put them all, all the answers on the table. The intersection of this, the answers is your uniqueness lies at the intersection. So the first question we already talked about, which is what problem do you solve? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what are the problems you can solve for other people? You make a list. The second question is what are you passionate about? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you on fire for? Mm-hmm. That's how we started, right? Is mm-hmm. I love you because you're on fire. You, you, you're not just on a mission. You're on a crusade. Stay there. I want to stay right there because this is brilliant. I bet no one's asked you this before. Do those have to necessarily be connected? In other words, the problem I solve, what if what if what I'm passionate about is slightly different than the problem I solved? I'm going to scramble you here a little bit because I've thought about this. When I started in the business, I was solving financial problems for people. Yeah. But my passion was actually to help children because I was working in an orphanage. Yep. But when you would get around me, you'd say, this guy's unbelievable solving these financial problems. And he's doing it because everything he does, 20% of it's going to help these orphans and these kids. And so the convergence of those two things, even though they were different, 
worked incredibly well for me. I know ideally the problem being solved would somehow be correlated to the passion. I get that. But does that necessarily have to be the same thing? Um, I think that it almost never is in the beginning. Great. Okay. In fact, the fastest path to cash is to figure out what problem can you solve the fastest for somebody else. Okay. So I'll give you an example. I started my speaking career. Mm-hmm. The very first way I made money was uh, I was in a contest called the World Championship of Public Speaking. And, I, and I, th- I was 20 years old and I thought, hey, if I win the World Championship, maybe that'll launch my career. The problem was I wasn't funny. And so I spent like 18 months learning the psychology of laughter and humor. And so the very first courses I taught was the psychology of laughter and how to be funnier. Mm. And that was how we started. And then, you know, uh, I had I had gone door to door, 14 hours a day, six days a week on straight commission for five summers in college. Mm. And so I knew something about sales. And so we started a sales training business and we coached salespeople. So they lead to one another. But, but look at what you're doing now, Ed. You are you you are living the convergence of those two now correct but the way to make money fastest is to go what tactical problem can i solve for people okay. right and do that and you go if people pay for solutions to problems yeah. so if you need money it's because you're not solving enough problems you're not adding enough value and you're not clear about what you do and that's why nobody's hiring you or they're not paying you enough money this is exactly right by the way listen this just flies by people's ears they're driving or they're on the treadmill right now or they're walking and they're like yeah yeah, yeah. listen to what he just said if you don't have a lot of money more than likely it's because you don't solve or people don't believe you can solve problems and you haven't got clear Everybody, my 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 family here in the audience, you must get more and more clear about what problems it is that you can solve and being better at communicating specifically that you can do it. And the second one, and I took you off track a little bit, was what are you passionate about? So I want you to stay on this helix a little bit, the six parts, but listen to this, everybody. This is the thing. This is the path. And yes, it's a broad concept, but the more you begin to contemplate this idea of, you know what? He's right. I'm not completely clear, nor, nor are other people in my brand what problems I solve. Whether you're an electrician apprentice who's looking to get hired and into a union job, all the way to I'm an entrepreneur trying to scale a, a cannabis business. I don't know, right? Like this applies to everybody. It applies. Heck, I think it applies to what kind of a great father or, or mother you are. Totally. Right? That my mother's amazing at this, right? This is the problem she solves for our family, right? My mom's so passionate about our family or this or the other thing. So keep going on the on the six parts of the helix. Yeah. So just and I, I would say to wrap that the those first two questions up. You make a living from the problem you solve, mm-hmm. but you make a life from the passion that you chase. Yeah, that's good. Really good. Like the, if you make money and you just make money, eventually you're burnt out. That's a great place to start because you got to pay the bills. Like you need money to be able to do stuff. Yep. But then ultimately you got to chase the passion. And it's not just like the, oh, this fires me up, but also what pisses you off? Mm-hmm. What breaks your heart? Like what makes you cry? What makes you, you look at it in the world and you go, I'm not okay with that. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not comfortable with that. I won't accept that. We believe that is God's divine design of your humanity that what breaks your heart breaks your heart for a reason because you were created to do something about that problem and and your real magic will come from living in the passion, but you have to earn your right to get there first. That was my one of my top things ever said on the show. Everybody go back and rewind about a minute and a half and hear that again. That's one of my favorite things ever been said on the show. Keep going. Unbelievably great. So the the, the next two questions, okay, so you got what problem you solve and then uh, the, uh, what what are you passionate about? The next two questions are uh, what, are your, what do you research, mm-hmm. okay? So your uniqueness will be tied to things you learn, not just what you have a degree in, but what would you spend a Saturday afternoon learning about? Okay. Because you're going to have expertise in that. Like you're going to be drawn to that, that that's a hint towards your, your uniqueness. Like this stuff for me, all this stuff. I mean, this is fun for me. Like I love studying speakers and book launches and Mm -hmm. social media and funnels and like messaging and positioning, like reputation. It's what I would do for free. Um, so what do you have academic head knowledge of? That's what do you research? The, the fourth question is though a big one. What do you have results in? So this is the the companion, and the reason this is a helix is because each of these questions work in tandem, which is not what have you learned, but what have you actually freaking done? 
What path have you walked down? And and I'll tell you, Ed, because it normally takes us, it's normally a two-day experience to help someone find their uniqueness. But I'll give you the shortcut. And this is something we didn't know four years ago when we started the company, but now we've had over 600 clients. And this is what we train our strategists to do when they're working with somebody to go, how do we find your uniqueness quickly? And, And this is it. All of us are most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. Oh, wow. You're most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. And so when you look at the problem you solve, right, it's going, what what challenge have I conquered? What obstacle have I overcome? What setback have I survived? Whatever that path is, that is the shortest, clearest path to changing a life and making a ton of money and being full of purpose and just being on fire because you're living your divine uniqueness. Oh my gosh, Rory, that's so freaking good. And that's what you do, right? right? That's what that the reason people respond to you is because you're you're taking people on the path. You you. you know, you you I love when you tell the stories of like your childhood and growing up and mm-hmm. Eddie and like you know mm-hmm. looking out for your sisters and mm-hmm. and then becoming wealthy and successful and paying the price and you you are this living model an example of how anybody anybody can do it. Thank you. Um you know, through the power of one more and, you you know, right. all, all the things that you, you, you talk about. You. But you're taking people on the journey. And, and so that is the, the shortest, that, that's the shortcut if there is one, is yeah. to ask yourself, what challenge have you conquered? What obstacle have you overcome? What setback have you survived? You are most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. That is incredibly profound, man. Like, cause that's, I listen to things sometimes in life and I go, okay, let me just, let me put it through my application test of my own life. That's exactly what I did. I didn't know I was doing it. I wish someone earlier on would have said what you just said to me. But, and by the way, I've done that all along the way in my life. Even now people say, well, you coach some really affluent people, very wealthy people. I was once at their level of affluence. I was once at their level of confusion. I was once at their level of, you know, achievement without fulfillment. You know, I understand these different elements. And so it's so, so good what you're saying. I, you want to finish that helix up. I want to make sure we give them the Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, so we'll leave you hanging on, so on, on, um, on uh, five and six. So uh, the fifth and sixth questions are related to how do you monetize a personal brand? So this is where mm-hmm. we start to step into that. Mm-hmm. So um, the fifth question is what are all the things that people would buy from you? And so you go, all right, how do I, how do I make money from this? Mm-hmm. Um, the sixth question is, what business do you want to be in? And that's what the dares is all about. Yep. Okay, so we already talked about dares. So if you back up and go, all right, we're looking for the dares. That's like, what business do I want to be in? Mm-hmm. Look for the dares. Like, mm-hmm. that's the great, those are the great businesses. But then if you ask yourself the question, what are all the things people would buy? This is where you go. There's a big difference between a pile of followers and a pile of cash. Mm-hmm. And there's only five vehicles that we have really found. I mean that will convert a f- audience or fan base or, or people in, into a pile of money. And we call these the paid, so it's another acronym. So P-A-I-D-S. Um, so the P is product, physical product, right? So that's Jamie Kern Lima, that's Sarah Blakely. Mm-hmm. You, you, you create a product. If you're Elon Musk, it's a car, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you create a product and you sell it to people. Um, the A is ads and affiliates. It's part of how you make money on this show, right? Mm-hmm. You got your, you got, you know, shout out to our sponsors, right? right. For Ed Milet's show. Yes. That, that they pay the bills and you're not actually selling your audience anything. Mm-hmm. You're selling other people access to your audience. Wow. And those are, if you're really good at throwing a party and if you're really good at, at getting people together, ads and affiliates are, are a great business model. Uh, the I is information. Mm-hmm. So you go, all right, I have this audience. I'm going to offer them information. So that's why there's been the explosion of, of video courses and membership sites and certifications and assessments. Um, and you know, a lot of, a lot of our clients are, are experts and entrepreneurs who have either some information product or a vision for one. And then D is deals. Mm-hmm. Okay. P A I D S deals. Deals are usually more advanced. So that's book deals, mm-hmm. movie deals, TV deals. It's when a third party is paying you a set fee for the creation of something, regardless of how it performs, it's usually tied to royalties. Okay. But then the S is one that everyone should pay attention to. The S is services. Mm-hmm. So you go, I, I am going to offer a mm-hmm. service. You got it. And services are the fastest path to cash. Okay. The fastest way to make money is to offer your time to help somebody do something. Yeah. 
that's the good news. The bad news, it's the least scalable yep, it involves you. long-term because it involves you. So you're trading time for money, which is why you know, my, my TED Talk that went viral mm-hmm. and my second book is all about how to multiply time. Mm-hmm. And we talk about- We're going to talk about that in a minute. Okay, we'll talk about yeah. that in a minute. So how, how do you sort of break free from that? But um, you know, a lot of the clients we work with, and here's the thing. So this is something we call the law of, of the law of AJ. So AJ is my wife. Yeah. Um, she's our CEO. Yeah. Um, she's our, uh, we, her and I have been business partners. We were business partners in our former company. Uh, we started as business partners. Then we started dating. Then we got married. Then we grew the company, sold the company, and then we started brand builders. But um, AJ is, she has uh, this thing cause she sold over $2 million a year by herself. Okay. One person generating $2 million in revenue a year. You probably never heard of A.J. Vaden. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have millions of followers. And that's why she calls it the law of A.J. Vaden, which is you don't need millions of followers to make millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Most of us, if we had a couple dozen of our perfect client, we would double, triple our income. Totally true. So uh, service is a great place to start. So yeah. the brand DNA Helix, yeah. those are the six questions. Um, normally, you know, we have white p- pads up and we're drawing stuff on yeah. the walls and we, 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 we dump those out. And then the, your uniqueness lives at the intersection of those, of those six questions. And, and there's hints, right? Like you're most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. So we're looking at your past. Mm-hmm. A- another way we describe it, Ed, is we sometimes say that your uniqueness is at the intersection of who you have been mm-hmm. and who you feel called to be. I love this. By the way, I'm just thinking of people that I know, you know, that we've talked about. I think about uh, Jamie, Kern Lima. We've brought her name up, so might as well stay there. This is someone who really struggled with insecurity about her skin condition that she had and yep. wanting to solve that problem. And then she goes on to help millions of women feel more beautiful that were not feeling that way prior, potentially. I think of someone like Andy Frisella, my partner in my coaching program. This is a guy who was, you know, 150 pounds overweight and know what it felt like to feel good about himself and struggle with that. And now he's powerfully positioned to help people get fit and healthy in their life. I think of someone like me, I struggle with self-confidence. I come from a place where I didn't have a lot of inspiration in my life. I was broke. I'm powerfully positioned to help people who lack self-confidence or lack self-esteem or need inspiration or want to become wealthier, want to live a better life and a a more functional life. And so uh, this is just brilliance, bro. And it's like, if someone would just listen to the show and go, you know, I'm giving myself the gift of just contemplating some of these questions that Rory's asking that the two of them are talking about on the show, there's at least something so far we've covered, and we're only halfway through, but that we've covered that would change your whole life, your business life, your emotional life, your your purpose in your life, how you feel when you get up in the morning, et cetera. Did we go through all six? Or yeah, we, we did. We hit okay. all six. Yep. I want to make sure, because this other little thing you say here, it's not little, but I, for me, it was huge. But it's this, how do I become known as a leader in my space? And you call it Sheehan's Wall. Yeah. we, we This yeah, has we, to be talked yeah, about Yeah, we here. have to talk about this. So so, so this is actually, uh, we, we call it, we named it Sheehan's Wall after mm-hmm. Peter Sheehan, mm-hmm. who was a colleague and a mentor that mm-hmm. originally taught it to me, and mm-hmm. you know, we've adapted a bit. But basically- in any industry, uh, in any vertical, in any market, there's two groups of people. There are people who are unknown. They're struggling with obscurity. And then there are those who are known. They're recognizable, right? Mm-hmm. They have the reputation. They have the reach. They, they, they have notoriety. Yep. And in between obscurity and notoriety is a huge wall, an invisible wall that we refer to as Sheehan's wall. Okay. And what most people do is most of us who are in obscurity, we look at the people who are in notoriety and we go, ooh, I want to be like them, so I'm going to do what they do. And so we have lots of different topics, lots of, you know, and you go, okay, Tony Robbins, you know, he talks about money and he talks about relationships and he talks about business mastery and he talks about, uh, you know, walking on fire and unleash a power within and, and health, right? Now he's got a book on health or Oprah has all these different things or Gary Vaynerchuk, like all these, all these different things. And what happens is we bounce off the wall. We have too many messages to too many audiences, too many business models. And when you have diluted focus, you get diluted results. And so you bounce off the wall. (laughs) And so the key to breaking through Sheehan's wall is to find your uniqueness, find the one thing 
that you can do is good, if not better than anyone else in the world. Mm-hmm. And you break through that wall. I mean, if you think about breaking through an actual wall, if you just took a sledgehammer and you were hitting all over, like you wouldn't do anything. You have to hit the same spot over and over and over and over. And eventually there will be a little crack. And once you get that little crack, then the neck, then it opens and then it opens and then you burst through and then the whole wall comes down. But you have to find that area of specificity, which we believe is in everybody. We believe it is a part of God's design for your life Mm -hmm. that you have that uniqueness. But but you can't be all things to all people yet. Mm-hmm. At some point you can. Mm-hmm. Like you'll get you'll break through bigger and bigger walls. You're, you're an example, right? You're you're going mainstream right now, so you're going to be breaking through bigger walls. Yeah, but you're a hundred percent right. Like all you know, people I watch constantly, sort of trying to replicate what I'm doing, and I'm like, no, I'm 51 years old. I built a bunch of businesses. I've had a pretty diverse life. I've had been blessed to be successful in some different areas, and also a failure in certain areas. And I'm now at the point where the breadth of my message can be this wide. I can talk about health and wellness and emotional health and business and entrepreneurship and relationships and emotions and all these other things. You need to hit that same spot on the wall because for me, that first wall was in the money business, was in the financial business, kept hitting that wall, the real estate and financial business. And I broke that wall down. That is absolutely 1 million percent right. I think people fatigue on the repetition of it. They do. And they, they there's invisible progress. I talk about in the book, as you know, the pinata now where you're hitting this pinata and there, there appears to be no breakdown where all the candy's coming out of the pinata but compound pounding matters you're making more progress even if it's invisible than you think you are but most people will quit hitting that spot on the wall because it doesn't look like it's breaking and they get tired they go no okay now i'm going to start to talk about this or i'm going to be the motivator on instagram right and it's like no your space is here stay there keep pounding on the wall become great and a leader in that space. I like 1 billion percent agree with you on that. And, and here's how you know when you broke through the wall. That's, that's the question. How do I know when I got there? Simple. When you're on the obscurity side of the wall, everything is push. Everything is hustle. Everything is fight. It's claw. It's persistence. It's just like, go, go, go. The, once you're on the notoriety side of the wall, everything is pull. Everything, all this stuff is coming at you. You have more than you can keep up with. And and so now true. you have a new problem, which is too many opportunities. So and you're going like, now I still need to sort it. So you still need to have a, a level of, of focus to some extent. But the depth of your wisdom, brother, is so profound to me because that's exactly right. It's ex- Then the problem is the latter. And I'm struggling with this. Like, what do I say no to? There's all these different right. things. There's a thing that just occurred to me as we were talking. It occurred to me about 15 minutes ago, but I wanted to wait because I, I wanted to stay in this flow, which is that I'm beginning to really believe that there's a correlation between this idea of personal branding and beginning to just understand who you are as a person, that there's a correlation. Forget the business stuff, the money flow, the funnels, all these other things, you know, your career. It's like the work you would do to get good at this is the work you should do to improve as a human being, right? That'll make you happier to know this is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is what I refuse to let stand in the world. These are the things I'm passionate about. This is what I'm angry about. This is what I'm strong about. This is what I feel good about. This is what makes me feel alive and home. I for the, you know, I'm going to discover why I was born and they're correlated. There's a connection between all of these business things we're talking about and your spirit and your well-being as a as a human being, as a soul on this earth. There's a correlation between which is why it is so profound. Do you feel that way? Totally. And yeah. when you when you're sitting in your uniqueness, like when when you occupy that space, you can't be stopped. Yeah. You're, you, you, are, you, you are put here on this earth to do something that nobody else can do. Yeah. And once you find it and you're sitting in it and you occupy it, you're activated. You are lighting up. And that's what it takes to break through the wall, yeah. right? It takes that passion. It takes that fire. It, it takes the divine. Like I tell you, you know, mm. I text you this all the time. I, I'm like, Ed, you're anointed. Mm. And, um, you know, you don't even know this story, but we the, in January uh, in January of this year, um, there was a church sermon, and we were leaving church, and the pastor asked us a question: "What do you feel God prompting to you to do that you're not listening to?" And so we're leaving, and, and AJ asked me, and she says, "What was your answer to the question?" And I said, "This is so weird, babe, but I feel God telling me go all in on Ed Milet." Oh my gosh! Wow! And I was like. But it doesn't, I don't, I don't, the problem was I didn't know you. I, I, I had <laughs> right. just, John Gordon, our mutual mm-hmm. friend, you know, uh, had just email introduced us, but it was just a very casual thing. And I said, I don't know. But uh, I, and then, that you makes know, me feel wonderful. Thank a, you. a few days later, well, that is what happens. I'm, 
you when you find your uniqueness, you make yourself available to be used in the way that yet you were intended. And and look, here's the here's the thing about service, right? That remember the the second part of what Larry said, exploit your uniqueness in the service of others. When I'm achieving, like when I'm when I'm competing, there's wins and there's losses. But when I am serving, there's only wins. I cannot lose. Like mm. when I am here available to be used and look, I didn't know if Ed Milet was going to say, Oh, I like this Rory guy. I'll talk to him. Right. Yeah. You have access to anybody in the world, right. but you said something about it mm. said, I'm going to invite you in. Maybe because I was there available to be used. Maybe it was divinely orchestrated. Maybe you just had a practical problem in the world at one specific moment in the time. Mm. And I happened to show up and be someone who had the practical solution. Whatever it is, it all works together. It was all the above. And it was also, um, I sort of know when I'm with someone special. Um, I think all people are special, but some people arrive and own it. And they exude that energy. And other people that are just as special, they just haven't accepted it about themselves yet. Like just watching you talk about this, I'm watching your eyes. You know, like there's a emotion tied to it for you because our, our convergence of our spirits together has already helped millions of people. Had we not met, some of those people would have never been reached before. And I'm like immensely grateful for it. I'm also sitting here thinking, you know, I only do 52 of these shows a year. And I'm so grateful that I get to do it and that we're, that you and I are sitting here right now. like. This is awesome. I'm so glad you showed up this freaking good today. You know what I mean? Like, it's so good, and it inspires me. And I, I said we're halfway done, and we're almost three quarters done, just simply because it's flown by for me. I assume I thought we were only talking for 20 minutes. It's been like 45 minutes already. So I want to talk a little bit about getting started on this, because one of the things you talk very eloquently about is procrastination, and you have another term for it, which I really love, which uh-huh. makes people feel a lot better about the fact they do it. But so here's why I want to attack this next. Okay, I got to get on this. Yes. I'll do it later. Okay, I know I need to do it. I need to do a little bit more research on this. Okay, I, I know I need to do it after the summer's over when my kids go back to school. I know I need to do it, but right now I'm just really unclear about it, or I'm not feeling it, or I've got to wrap up this project. And it's just, we just get around to getting around to being the best in our life. And so it's a major factor. And to me, it's one of the very few certain things that blocks people from ever experiencing their potential is this notion of, okay, it's delayed procrastination. First off, I love what you call it. Do you suffer from it? And what can someone do right now to stop doing that? Absolutely. So so this is great because this takes this takes me back to how I broke through the wall. So my okay. very first book, Take the Stairs, you mentioned, okay. so it hits the New York Times. This is how I broke through the wall was, and that book solves the problem of procrastination. And there's actually three types of procrastination, okay? okay. So the first one is classic procrastination. That's what we all think of consciously delaying what I know I should be doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know I should go to the gym. I don't want to do it. I know I should pay my taxes. I don't want to do it. Okay. That's classic procrastination. That's not the most dangerous type though, okay. because we know when we're doing it. The second type of procrastination is uh, a term that I coined, we, we coined called creative avoidance. And creative avoidance is different because it's subconscious. It's subconsciously filling the day with trivial work or menial work where you, you get the payoff of feeling busy. Like you're, you're in a lot of meetings, you're moving a lot of paper, you're answering a lot of emails, you're doing a bunch of stuff. But yet when you get to the end of the day, if you're honest with yourself, you realize that actually you were nothing more than busy just being busy. The millions of heads are nodding right now going, yep, I got that one. And, and, and yep. a better word for that would be distraction. Mm-hmm. Right. You go, oh, I'm just going to pop on, you know, and check Instagram real quick. And then, you know, whatever, three hours later, you're you're on YouTube, like <laughs> searching about how to how to how to drop uh, an egg from a, a two story building and not have it crack. Like, so it happened. But the, then then there's a third type of procrastination, which we identified in the in the first book. But we we didn't know it would be such a hot button, and that, that that's what actually became the second book. And so the third type of procrastination is what we call priority dilution. And priority dilution is fascinating because it has nothing to do with being lazy or apathetic or disengaged like the first two types. Um, but it's the same net result, which is that at the end of the day, your most significant priorities are are left incomplete, not because you're lazy, but because you have allowed your attention to shift from less significant 
to, per, to more urgent tasks. Somebody struggling with priority dilution is living in a constant state of interruption. They're, they're always dealing with fires is the word that they mm-hmm. use. And it affects the very people you wouldn't think to be procrastinators. It's it's the do-gooders, the checklisters, the taskmasters, the owners, the, the, the executives. And so procrastination is something that all of us struggle with. Mm-hmm. The answer is I definitely struggle with it. I struggle mm-hmm. with all three types of it. That's that's why I wrote the book, right? Because mm-hmm. I was most powerfully positioned to serve the person I once was, which was trying to understand the psychology of how do ultra performers overcome procrastination. So good. One of the things I want to keep going. We're going to go a little over. It's too good. I uh I am I wrote the power of one more. I you know in my mind had the chapters in there I thought that would resonate the most. Yep. And probably I was right on some of them. But the one that I had on there on time, multiplying time and efficiency surprised me at the diversity of people that it resonated with the different strategies that I teach. I thought that like was like your 3-day day, your 3-day three three day, day, my 3 days in a day. Yeah. And I thought to myself, that will resonate with only really high achiever entrepreneurs, right? That'll be that one chapter that they'll all get. But the people that aren't certainly in that space, it won't resonate. Actually, not true. It really resonated with a lot of people. And it's not the most resonating chapter in the book, but it's one of them. And you talk about this idea of sort of multiplying your time. Yeah. And I'm just fascinated with your take on this because it's you've got this idea of procrastination or creative delaying or whatever the heck you're going to term it. The three, the three types is brilliant, by the way, as always with you. But what about this idea of multiplying the time? Because someone's saying, okay, I got to do this personal brand, but my kids are in soccer. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm getting my degree right now. I'm a, I'm a junior in college or I'm yep. getting my MBA or I've got my main business. My, my husband works as well. I've got to make sure that I at least work out, you know, and I'm just like, wow, there's like, there's four seconds left in the day for me to do this. Yeah. Let's, let's be real about it. So that, yep. that's the struggle, right? It's mm-hmm. like, and And what's crazy is you go, how is it there's more books written on time management than ever before, right? There's more courses, and yet we all feel more busy, buried, and behind. One of the things that was in our research study, 38% of people are checking their their email and social media in the bathroom. Like, what could be more efficient than that? Like, there you are doing two things at once, mm-hmm. sometimes three, mm-hmm. and like, <laughs> you're just, like, you're using every single second. Yes. But- but we're still never caught up. We're still overwhelmed. We're still buried. And it's it's because we don't understand how to multiply time. And the re- I think the biggest reason we don't know how to multiply time is because you've been told your whole life the one thing that is impossible to create is time. Yeah. And it's wrong. It's totally Everything wrong. you know about time management is wrong, but this is above all. Now, right. here's the thing. So when we say multiply your time, Ed, I mean it literally. It's not a superlative. I'm not exaggerating. I mean it literally. Now, there's nothing I can teach you that will create more time inside of one day. So Mm -hmm. we all have the same 24 hours, which Mm -hmm. is 1,440 minutes or 86,400 seconds. Mm -hmm. I can't give you more time in a day. But that's exactly the problem is that most of us live in the world with a one-day paradigm. We wake up and we say, what's the most important thing I have to do today? It's Mm -hmm. a one-day paradigm. That's not how the multipliers think. That's not how ultra performers think. What we noticed is they're not thinking about today. They're thinking about tomorrow and the next day Mm -hmm. and the next day. And we call that the significance calculation, yes. right? So Dr. Covey introduced importance and urgency, yes. and we added a third dimension of that, which is significance. So importance is how much does it matter? Urgency is how soon does it matter? But significance is different. Significance is how long is this going to matter? Mm. And when you make the significance calculation, you break free of the paradigm of one day you start thinking about the future mm-hmm. and this is how it's possible to multiply time. I can tell you in one sentence. This is a whole book, my whole TED Talk mm-hmm. in one sentence. You multiply time by spending time on things today mm-hmm. that create more time tomorrow. Oh, wow. Very good. You spend time on things. That, there are certain things that you can spend time on today that create more time tomorrow. And this is a whole other subject that we were mm-hmm. kind of breaching here, mm-hmm. but like... Um, you know, like online bill pay is a great example. You would go, you know, if I, if I said you, you have two hours in your day, you should set up online bill pay. People would be like, what? That's stupid. Like what a, what a trivial, insignificant use of my time. And I'd say, no, 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 that's not how a multiplier would look at it because a multiplier knows that if you spend two hours today setting up your online bill pay, 
and it saves you 30 minutes every single month from paying your bills, then after just four months of time, you will have broken even on that investment of time. And every month thereafter, you will be getting something that we call ROTI, return on time invested. It's creating time. Um, another another flagship line, so the, the book's called Procrastinating on Purpose. The TED Talk's called How to Multiply Time. One of the other flagship lines is automation is to your time exactly what compounding interest is to your money. Outstanding. It's uh, While you were talking, I'm like, this is the difference between spending time and investing time. Yes. And that's then you come up with compound interest, right? Like there are some things you're going to do where you're spending time. You have to have parts of your day and your life where you're investing time. This time I'm investing is going to pay a return for me at another point. Most people just spend their time. What's incredible is Rory and I had not met when I wrote my book, but in the book, as you know, I use the term multiplier over and over. I even have a chapter called What's a One More Multiplier as a Person. You can add people to your life who are multipliers also, to your organizations, uh, to your personal life, um, to if you're a coach, to your sports teams, et cetera. I, uh, where'd someone begin on this, Rory? So let's go to social for a minute. Give me a little bit of your vision. You're a visionary dude when it comes to this stuff because I'm in it. Sometimes you you have the ability to be above it. So I'm in it. I'm operating every day. I've got a podcast. I've got a YouTube. I've got a TV show. i got Instagram. i got LinkedIn. i got Twitter. i got Facebook. Yeah. i got you know my personal interviews that I do. i got my speaking. i got all my businesses. So I'm in it a lot. It's important to have people around you who are above things or at least listen to a show like this. Okay, I want to build my personal brand. I know some of it involves social media. At least some of it probably does, right? If I'm going to have sure. it. I mean, in some uh, sure. way, shape, yeah, or form, sure. probably that's, going for that's it. The, that's the, cur- the current mechanism. Mm-hmm. That's one of the current modern-day mechanisms. Where I do think. I go? Do I go? So, A, do you like TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube? You don't care about the profile? And what would I just do first? Like, okay, I got an Instagram account. I got 1,700 followers. You know, I post once a week. I post some stuff on my story. You know, uh, and I know it's a broad question for a real diverse audience between we have people here that are welders, fitness models, high-end CEOs of companies, influencers. I've got, you know, everybody on the planet. So, or different, not everybody on the planet listens to my stuff, but diverse Diverse backgrounds on the planet. What would you say? Well, straight up, I mean, legitimately, the first thing I would tell you to do is go to freebrandcall.com forward slash Ed Milet and request a call with our team. Because the first thing you need to do, like people ask all the wrong questions, which is, should I be on social? Should I write a book? Should I be a speaker? Should I do a podcast, right? And we're all lost in the tactics. Mm. The first thing you have to do is find your uniqueness. You have to zero in on on your purpose. You have to get clear on your identity. Identity is another thing that yeah. you and I share yeah. a lot in, yeah. in common, like yeah. the, the the power of knowing who you are and why you're here and who you're meant to serve. And I mean, as unap- as you know, uh, forgive the humble brag, we're the best in the world at helping people find their uniqueness. Like there's there's just not our uniqueness is helping people find their uniqueness. So there's just not anyone better. So yeah. I would say check out freebrandcall.com forward slash Ed Milet. Now. Separate of that, you know, you could take what we've talked about here and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, um, and, and kind of try to take yourself through it. Then you go, you pick a vehicle to, to, for that self-expression to take place. Self-expression. Okay. Right. Yeah. But, but here's the thing to this whole conversation about multiplier, reputation is the ultimate multiplier. Reputation is the ultimate multiplier, right? Mm-hmm. Like when John Gordon introduces me to you or you mm-hmm. go, oh, you worked with Lewis Howes or, oh, mm-hmm. hey, you know, like there's these other people that I know that you've worked with. That matters. And then, sure. you know, we develop a relationship. I mean, one of your one of my favorite concepts that you talk about in, in The Power of One More is how you're not as far away from success as you think. You're not. You're one more attempt, right? Yeah. It's one more strike at Sheehan's wall. It's yeah. one more hit at the pinata. You're one relationship away, mm-hmm. right? And And what I'm realizing is that in a in a way, you needed me. I was that relationship for your book launch. Absolutely, and I need you, mm-hmm. right? Like, yes. so it can be that fast. It's, yeah. But your reputation matters. So, mm-hmm. um, in an all practical sense, it doesn't. It the platform doesn't matter. Okay. It's not. Is it Facebook? Is it TikTok? Mm-hmm. Is it LinkedIn? I don't care. Pick one and focus on it, right? If you have diluted focus, you get diluted results. Pick one and do it. And people are like, oh, well, like what? technology, like what CRM tool should I use? Mm. Doesn't matter. Mm. Like it's 
the, the, the best answer to that question is not what's the best technology. It's the one you're most likely to implement. You're right. Th- that's all that matters. You know, the one thing on that, too, is like when we met, so how much what you've said today is valid. We met. I saw your uniqueness, right? Like, okay, this guy's different. This guy's special. I believe this guy can help solve my problem. But it was confirmed, frankly, when you said, uh, by the way, and this is just the one person. There's lots of people you've worked with. But you said, oh, actually, there were two. You said, you know what? I've helped Eric Thomas, hmm. and I've helped Lewis House. I said, cool. And I, we hung up. And then I confirmed, and that oh, I didn't that, know that. that reputation was confirmed. So that's why that that what you said earlier that endorsement from someone else even it doesn't have to be a well known. I don't have millions of followers, right, right. but it was testimonials. Testimonial is what confirmed what I already felt. I saw the passion, I saw the talent, I saw that you could solve some problems for me, and the testimonial confirmed it. So like we are literally a living example of the things that you. I don't care if you have a gardening business, you're a landscaper. You had better have a couple testimonials that I can call or that I can interact with or that you can show me that tells me you can solve my problem or help my my family would be happier by having a more beautiful landscape design at my house or whatever it might be in your life. You're 1 billion percent right about this stuff. Okay. Last question for you. First off, I want to thank you for today. So we, I know it flew by, didn't Can you imagine <laughs> already? So, so, so fast. I want to thank you because there's a million podcasts that you and I can do together and I'm going to have you back because I know everyone's going, hey, I didn't know this guy before. And man, I like this dude. This dude is special. And we've got all kinds of diverse stuff that you and I can cover. But the last thing I just want to do is on success overall. Yeah. Okay. There's a profile. You talk very eloquently about how our brains are not really wired to produce success. Yeah, not. Right? And so this is something, it gives everybody kind of an, a, a break mentally. So like, wow, he's right about this. So I just think this is, I wish we kind of stuck this in the beginning because I think it's such a great point that you make. Hopefully everyone's still here listening because it's been so valuable. So the last part is about success and how we have to sort of almost overcome our nature in order to become successful. So I'll let you have that. Yeah. So um, the classic take the stairs stuff, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, the human brain is not designed for success. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's designed for survival. Mm-hmm. The primary function of the human brain is to keep you alive. Mm-hmm. Keeping you alive, survival is about conserving energy. Mm-hmm. Success is the opposite. Mm-hmm. Success is about expending energy. Success is about doing the uncomfortable. It's about pushing your limits. It's about doing things that are new. And so our natural default is not to be successful, but we are fortunate that most of us like, live in a world where we have the luxury of being able to pursue success because most of us don't have to worry about survival on a daily basis. It's something that we take tremendously for granted. But if you're going to pursue success, you have to rewire your brain neurologically. You have to understand the way that ultra performers, ultra performers think. So if you if you have struggled with procrastination, if you've struggled with taking action, if you've been distracted, if you've had diluted focus, those things don't mean you're doomed for failure. They don't mean that there's anything wrong with you. They don't mean you're lazy. They mean you have a perfectly functioning, healthy, normal human brain. <laughs> right. Like, But the problem with normal is that it's normal. Yes. If you want to be successful, if you want to... like. You have to be extraordinary. If you want to be successful, you have to do something different. And and here's the problem: you can't just do it once. This is you know my, my probably my most famous quote. And you see it ripped off on the internet all the time. But it's from my Take the Stairs book. Success is never owned. Success is only rented, and the rent is due every day. Why? Because our human nature for indulgence and temptation and sin never leaves us. We default to the escalator mentality. We default towards the easy, safe, comfortable thing. And success is about taking the stairs and doing the things you don't want to do and doing the things you know you should be doing each and every day over and over and over again. So good, Rory. So good, man. I just love you. I'm so glad we did this today. I'm so glad you're in my life. I have to tell you, everybody, one thing about taking those stairs, stay with me on this last, and then I'm going to tell you where to go find Rory one more time. Here's the thing. The thing I know about ultra performers is their threshold for what they must know before they act is lower. Mm. And for people that struggle in life, they've got this huge threshold. I've got to know so much before I will take action. And the higher that threshold is of what you falsely believe you need to know to take steps is what holds you back. Alter performers have a lower threshold of what they have to know before they begin. They know most of it will happen through experience, through being in the space, and figure it out when they get there. It's a huge separator in order to take the stairs. You have to take the step before you know every single step in front of you. 
You can't wait to know all the steps and all the information or you'll never get going. So great, great communication between the two of us today. Where do they go to get you? Yeah, so freebrandcall.com forward slash Ed Milet. Like okay. if, if that is where we want to get to know you, right? Okay. We we work with people one-on-one. Like okay. we're a human-based, like yep. that's, that's how we work with people. So uh, I would say just check us out there. And, you know, again, your your character, your personal development is the foundation of your personal brand. Your your integrity is the foundation of your reputation. Like who your your uniqueness is connected to how the world is going to know you. So uh, if you want to learn more about that, would check that out. And 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 the last little thing I would just say here, Ed, is that another reason why people sometimes don't take action is because they convince themselves that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They tell themselves somebody already did that. Like somebody already wrote that book or why would anyone listen to me? Or I don't have millions of followers, but I'm telling you that if you have a calling, like if you feel some type of an urge to be like, I feel like I have a message I'm supposed to share with the world. We believe that the calling that you feel on your heart is the result of a signal that's being sent out by somebody else. Mm. And that person needs you more than you need them. And they only can get it from you, right? It's it's the law of frequency. We they, they are tuned into your frequency for whatever reason. They don't need whoever that other famous person is. They need you. They connect with you because for some reason you're like them or you connect with them. And so if you feel that calling, I'm telling you, it's because somebody is out there right now begging and pleading and perhaps on their freaking hands and knees praying for answers to questions that you have already solved. They're looking for a path that you have already walked down. And so it is your obligation to exploit your uniqueness in so, the service of so them. Good. I also think you can document you walking down that path to inspire people, even if you're not finished with the path. Yes. Way. That connects with people. If you're starting to lose weight, document it and say, I'm beginning this process. I'm going to take you on my journey with me. You're amazing, Rory. By the way, I want to recommend everybody again, get the power of one more. Written by Ed Milet. I hear that guy's pretty good. Do it. And follow. If you're listening to this on any audio platforms, go subscribe to YouTube so you get some of my video content. If you're watching this on YouTube, go subscribe to Spotify or iTunes or Apple or one of these places where you can get audio on podcasts. Follow me on all social media platforms as well. Share today's show. And I want to remind you, you were born to do something great with your life, and there's power in doing one more. God bless you. Max out. This is The Ed Milet Show. 